everybody, and welcome to the Energetic Principles Podcast. I'm your host, Melissa LaFera, an astrologer, tarot consultant, and all-around creative from sunny San Diego, California. And this is the 92nd episode of the podcast, airing the week of May 18th, 2020. Now, I'm pleased to bring to you my interview with Yucca Valley professional astrologer and tarot consultant, Annalisa Six uh, of the Mystic Parlor, who will join me in a discussion on Gemini season 2020. And so Annalisa and I are going to chat on this upcoming Gemini season and all it has in store. Uh, And we talk about Gemini energy in general and then go on to relate personal experiences and stories to the potential energies that are on offer during this 30-day period. Now, we outline the transits and the lunar cycle, and then we're going to pull some cards at the end to see what archetypes will be presented before us. And in true Gemini fashion, we had a delightful time chatting, and we do hope that you enjoy our banter. Now, a fabulous way to show appreciation for this podcast and my astrological efforts is to come on over to my Patreon, uh, where I have a Patreon-exclusive astrology forecast that comes out every Sunday at midnight, which details the seven days, you know, Monday through Sunday, of what astrology is in store. Uh, And I have been told I'm rather thorough, and I get in there and will tell you about the mundane transits, but also the lunar energies and how that will affect us emotionally and what we are to uh, basically encounter throughout the week. Um, And so not only do I talk about astrology, but I do some tarot polls and also have an animal ambassador uh, who will walk with us in its uh, spirit medicine through the week. And then at the end of the show, I have an Ask Mel segment where I answer patron questions or riff on my own thoughts, depending on what comes in. And so if you're interested in that, it starts at $5 per month, which I think uh, levels out to about four broadcasts. Um, And not only do you get the broadcast, but you also get early guest interviews. So when I do these podcasts, they come out on Patreon uh, several days prior. So you can kind of get an early sneak peek um, at what, you know what myself and my guests have to say. Uh, And I also have my Astro Storytime episodes where I dove into five different unique figures and looked at mundane astrology and observations. Uh, And so that totals over six hours of astro chatting. Um, So if that's something you're interested in, that starts at just $5 a month. And for a few dollars more, you can also get my show notes to the podcast. So if you don't catch everything that I say, because I do say a lot, these broadcasts come in at about 30 to 45 minutes, depending on what's coming, you know, going on in the week. Uh, The show notes, you can always reference back uh, and remember, you know, what I was saying there. So to find out more about that or to sign up, you can do so on patreon.com backslash energetic principles. Now, you can also show appreciation by making a one-time donation over at Mel's Tip Jar, which is on the front page of my energeticprinciples.com website. Um, and of course, you know, another way to do, uh, to help my astrological efforts is to book a personal consultation with yours truly, because that's what I love to do is sit down and talk about your chart uh, and what's coming up for you. So if that is of interest, you can also uh, sign up directly through my services page at energeticprinciples.com. All right, so who is ready to hear about Gemini season and all it has in store? Here we go. Now let's meet our guest. 
All right. I am so happy to welcome back this week's special guest, a person who has been on a handful of times. We have Annalisa Six back with us. Thanks for joining me, Annalisa. Thanks for having me again. It's how many times do you even know? I don't know. How many times? I have mean, you when me? you said a handful, I feel like that's about right. Like five, five, like a hand. A like, hand <laughs> <laughs> we can count it on one hand. Although I, Gemini, the hand. <laughs> that's right. Cause we're talking about Gemini season 2020, uh, for this podcast and it, it, you know, Gemini does rule the hand. So it makes sense. We got one hand up for her. Um, although part of me in the back of my head feels like we said five last time. We might have. Um, so who knows, you know, who knows? It could be anything. It could be 5 million. She's, but she's been here a bunch of times. And we've talked about many things uh, in the past. Um, we've talked, we've done, I think we, you were last on for the Sag season. I want to say we talked about, it does. And then now you're back halfway around the, the Zodiac for, for Gemini season. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. But so much has happened to you since the last time we, we talked. So uh, for the listeners who have never heard of you before, will you give them a little bit of a background and, uh, and tell us what you're doing these days? Yeah. So um, I have been doing tarot and astrology professionally since 2017. Um, I started studying astrology at the end of 2016 and I learned tarot when I was 17, 18 years old. Um, that's when I first started dabbling with it. I'm 30 now, so it's been a while with the tarot. Um, and I was doing tarot and astrology in Oakland. And then um, I teamed up with an astrologer in uh, the Mojave Desert in Yucca Valley, Joshua Tree area to open a store here. And um, I moved here. Um, really terrible timing, which is the irony of like calling myself an astrologer and then choosing to move. There's just a lot of ways you can interpret things in your own chart, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Amen to that. (laughs) I was like, I knew it was going to be hard. So I wasn't like expecting it to be easy or like there wasn't going to be challenges, but obviously I wasn't expecting COVID-19 personally because I mean, (laughs) let's be real. I've only been studying astrology for like four years now. So, I mean, pandemics aren't really in my toolbox yet. (laughs) Maybe they will be after this. Uh, But yeah, so I moved down from Oakland to Yucca Valley February 1st of this year to open up a brick and mortar space called the Mystic Parlor with Evelyn Zool from Astrum Council. And um, we were opening it to sell tarot cards and do our readings out of the store because we've been both separately self-employed and, you know, doing the thing that we all do. And we were like, well, let's create this community space out in the desert because there's so many people that come here looking for that. And there wasn't like a hub for it. There's a ton of readers, but there wasn't like a place to go get readings out here. So we thought we had a pretty uh, we're excited to have kind of our dibs on the market out here for that. And all the other readers out here are really excited for us. Like everybody's been rooting for us, you know, it's been really awesome. Uh, but then, you know, we got everything ready to be opened and we were watching the COVID thing happen, like while it was going and Evelyn was taking it really seriously. Cause she does a lot more mundane astrology stuff than I do. And so I think she was like, you know, feeling it on an intuitive level, like this was a bigger deal than what it kind of started out to be on our side of the pond. 
and I trusted her. So I was kind of like, you know, I was laughing about it, but taking it seriously. And then sure enough, like right the week we were opening was when everything got shut down, um, which is March 20th. The Equinox was when we had set our data open. So we did a virtual opening and then uh, closed up shop. (laughs) (laughs) We've just been doing everything online. Uh, So themysticparlor.com, we've been doing all of our readings virtually. And then we have a little shop where we're selling books and tarot cards and Oracle decks and stuff. Um, And it's been cool to be busy. Like I'm pretty much busy all the time doing that because we have a blog and stuff. So we do like astrology forecasts on the blog and we've been going live and we were planning on starting a podcast, but obviously like trying to do all the things, it's hard. so yeah, that's kind of what I've been up to. And it's been really, really weird to try to study astrology now because I feel like I will never take anything lightly ever again. Like, <laughs> you know, like we're all 2020 is the year. And I'm like, yeah, 2020 is the year, but I'm probably going to be fine. <laughs> like, no. <laughs> well, you know, it's just a proof that we're all like, there's residual effect everywhere. You know, just a reminder, we're all connected. You know, if something had happens here, you know, we're, we're all in it. Um, but, you know, number one, congratulations on opening your space. Even if it was a soft launch that is waiting for the right time, you know, the fact that you guys put that together and from what I've seen from the interior and the work that you've done, it is truly beautiful. So, you know, and that's the thing is like 2020 has just been, even if no one, uh, well, some people, there are some people that did go pandemic, very, you know, but most of us were talking about you know, I was talking about the, the turtle, you know, it's a turtle's race, not a, a hair, you know, this is a slow build, release, etc. And so, I mean, that same archetype is here, right? You know, it's right. like, yeah, you, you still built it. The foundation's there. You're, you know, you're virtually still doing it. But, you know, it maybe it wasn't in the rapid, like, growth of what we'd expect it to be because there was COVID-19. Yeah, I know. Isn't that interesting? And so maybe there were rapid results, but Saturn, Saturnine results. Exactly. <laughs> rapidly like halting. Rapidly halting. Yep. That's the best way to put it. <laughs> That's, that's, if you think about that, that's very Jupiter and Capricorn, right? Because, you it know, is. it's rapidly halting. <laughs> yeah, the combination of all of it right now is so annoying. But I think that the thing I feel really grateful for with astrology was I remember, like, you know, obviously, like, studying it and listening to everyone else talk about it is this kind of build up to 2020. But when I would look at my own clients' charts, even on an individual level, like seeing that in their chart too, like in terms of it just not being easy for them on a personal level for a lot of people. And I just feel glad that when people were coming to me looking for the end, I was very honest and said, there is not one right now. (laughs) Like I was very honest about 2020 being a difficult year for people. And I feel like my integrity at least on the, I didn't sugarcoat 20. It's intact. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I'm really glad I didn't try to say 2020 was going to be okay for anyone because I did it and it wasn't. And I just got a lot of feedback saying, you were so right. 2020 is 
insane or whatever. And I'm just like, yeah, okay. Like that's that way. I think too, like since I am a new astrologer, right? Like I haven't been um, practicing astrology for decades. Like a lot of my knowledge is through um, what I've read, right? And what I've studied rather than what I've experienced. Experience, yes. The Gemini, you know, thing. And so I go off a lot of trusting, you know, the books that I'm reading or the articles I read or the people that I follow. And um, I think that says a lot because then once you're experiencing it, then you have the knowledge really from that place. And that's what we're doing as astrologers right now is like taking all of that, that we've been studying from the past history, the decades before and you know, being vindicated, we're validated, we're vindicated, validated. That's, I love that. Well, you basically just summed up the, you know, Gemini Sagittarius axis really well uh, in, in many regards, especially now that the nodes have moved in there too. And so even just talking about it from that angle of like, you know, astrology, you know, because the best way to learn astrology is to experience it. Um, but you got to wait for that to happen, right? You know, it's not like something you can go get the book off the shelf and just experience something. No, it has to be timed and, and or you know, like that, that's the only way to do it. And so um, that's, I love that you use that reference because that's fascinating to me. And then and it's funny because you're, I felt like I was going around um, as like this personal PSA message for like tw- most of 2019, where if I encountered anyone, I'd be like, oh, 2020, I would just start to tell them how much of it's going to be a big shift. And I've had people come back, you know, like, I can't believe you were saying blah, blah, blah. And you know, I wasn't saying pandemic. I wasn't saying blah, blah. I was just saying <laughs> that the year as a whole was going to be very challenging and, uh, you know, especially for our systems and our governments and, and, you know, being stopped up and like all these different things. And, um, so, you know, we're, we were out there saying the word, no, I don't, you know, and that's the thing is like right now in the astrology community, I don't know if you've seen this yet, Annalisa, but, uh, that New York, New York times article that's going around, it was just put out like two, yeah, like two days ago or something. Will, will coronavirus kill astrology? And I'm like, good Lord, opinion piece. Thank you very much. First of all, you're not going to kill something that is like thousands of years old from a virus. And you know, it's like the same thing. It's like they, they like picked apart Susan Miller and then they give, give some, you know, little leeway to Chani Nicholas. But it's like, what if we were like, Oh, one, uh, one bad opinion piece kills all of journalism. You know what I mean? It's like you didn't go. There's thousands of astrologers in the world. You know, there's like you could turn that art. You could turn that argument so easy on the person that wrote it. And and if you're any type of like, you know, in, in, integral person to the information that you're putting out there, then you know that that article was like grasping at some serious straws, basically. Yeah. Well, then all the astrologers who were saying the things that are happening now are all mad about it. Like, I was saying this, though. (laughs) Yeah. I did say that. Well, yeah. It's just like, take take one person that's at the top of the chain and then they represent everyone. Like, no, that's not not how it works. Like, uh, yeah, it's it's funny how um, people like to rag on astrology. What you know? So we're gonna prove them wrong. We're gonna we're gonna dive into this Gemini season, and we're gonna we're gonna see what comes up. Um, so Gemini season. All right. Well, I can't believe we're. Can you even believe that we're already 
this far into this year. I mean, I just, can't. I can't either. It's, it's weird. It's, it's weird. And because, and, and especially with the whole pandemic, because it's like, what have I done to this yeah. point? You know, like, but I have done, there's just the concept of time is really warped. I think <laughs> uh, in 2020 right now, it's yeah. super weird. Yeah. So, well, we're here. We're in, we're about to be in Gemini season here, which uh, will commence on uh, May 20th. Uh, to be exact, May 20th at 9.49 a.m. Washington. That's Washington, at least if you're over in California where the both of us are. We're looking at more 6.49 a.m. But basically, May 20th, welcome to Gemini season. Uh, and we have a couple days of Gemini before we get into that new moon that almost happened right away because it seems like the lunar cycles just happen to be set up right now where we get a taste of the season and then boom, we get a new moon to go with it. Um, but let's first just talk about Gemini energy in general, which I think you did a nice little sum up and or I mean one facet of it at least uh, in what you just said. But uh, you know, what, what do you think about Gemini energy? What's, what's going on there? Yeah, well, I, I always like giving personal anecdotes to things, which Evelyn, as my business partner, has made me more aware of. So now when I'm about to do it, I'm like, I have a personal anecdote. But um, my brother is a Gemini, my little brother. And um, he was kind of the only person around me that had that energy for a long time in my life. And he, obviously, when you have a family member who's a Gemini... Um, all of those bad rap qualities that you hear about Gemini in terms of just, you know, like erratic behavior or maybe uh, unpredictable and kind of intense at times, um, really outspoken and social and all of a sudden very moody. Like there's kind of all these, you know, um, Dr. Jackal, Mr. Hyde. Hi. Yes. I, I grew very aware of having a Gemini brother. And then I did end up having a lot of Gemini friends as I got older. And I didn't really ever feel like they were fully understood. But for some reason, I feel like I understood them since I had this brother. And then once I learned astrology, I found out my stepdad's Gemini moon, Gemini rising. My sister's Gemini rising. So um, all this Gemini energy in my family. Um, and it made sense because there were always these people that felt very hard to pinpoint mm. like who they are. And so I kind of have this relationship whenever somebody is kind of flighty or kind of hard to pinpoint and there's a lot of hot and cold kind of duality within their personality. There's usually to me a lot of, uh, there's probably going to be some kind of Gemini quality in there, mutable quality, at least. Right? At least, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so that's my personal anecdote of how I relate to Gemini. But in terms of the sign, um, I would say that Gemini's turned into one of my favorite signs in terms of what it represents, because um, I'm sad rising, and the polarity of Gemini to me in terms of that relationship between Sag and Gemini, I just think is really beautiful. Like, Gemini is kind of this, like, the knowing, the learning, and it's kind of at this base root level of just kind of taking in the information. And then Sagittarius is where that like seeker quest for truth, quest for knowledge outside of that comes in. So there's something about the, um, the mental relationship that Gemini has in terms of how it's analytical, how it processes information, how it wants to evolve or adapt information 
um, and expand upon it in terms of like technological advancements and things like that. Um, and the writer quality, like I love writing. So I have a third house moon, third house is Gemini, all that kind of stuff. Like I really love, and then I love the whole kind of expansion into Sag from that and that relationship. Um, yeah. I don't know if that really answered it other than me just No, I like, okay. The personal anecdotes <laughs> makes a lot of sense because you're a Leo, you know? Yeah. And, and I mean, I have the, my Leo planets too. And it seems like I tend to relate a lot of things to myself or what I've known or, you know, encountered because once again, we're back to experience, right? It's like, experience. how do we know about this? Because we've, we've experienced it. But it's so funny when you're talking about the idea of like the, the flighty or the Jekyll and the Hyde or the back and forth, uh, because Gemini definitely uh, exudes those qualities. I mean, all mutable signs do, um, but there's just something more upfront about Gemini doing it because it's, it's an air sign, right? We hear it. We see it. It's, it's going, it's moving fast. It's like a fairy basically dancing in front of us where it's like, oh, I'm here one minute I'm here that minute I said this one minute but I meant this the next you know and it's like well which is true well both you know and that's the thing with Gemini is it's like it's hard to pin down because it's entertaining ideas it's entertaining facts it doesn't have um you know maybe it's waiting for the experience of Sag to more solidify that in but when you're just dancing with ideas and concepts and or people and conversations or you know this is Gemini and it, it moves fast and speaking of someone with Mars and Gemini as I ramble on through this. <laughs> I, you know, I, I, I totally, I totally get it. Um, I love Mars Gemini though, because yeah. I like conversation. <laughs> exactly. Well, and that's the thing too, is like, you know, you're working with some strong Gemini energy. If, if conversation fuels you, you know, there's just, it is, this is one of my favorite things to do. I mean, obviously I host a podcast where I, I do interviews with people, you know, that that's Gemini, the back and forth, right? Back and yeah. forth. We're, we're entertaining a uh, comparison of ideas. You know, that's the whole, uh, the purpose of it. But, you know, as we get into the Gemini season itself uh, and the sun travels through there, and obviously we have some big things like Venus retrograding through there and other such uh, astro news, you know, these types of energies are going to be on the scene for us to be aware of or to, you know, so, which is so interesting. We've just spent how much time talking about the pandemic. Um, and we know that Gemini is just as an energy is on the move, right? Like it's, it's going, it's, uh, air signs, it's, it's objective, it's moving, it's outward reaching and it's faster. Um, and so that, and especially as the nodes have moved in, um, as of last week into this area for, you know, 18 months, I don't know about you. I've started to see things just open up and blossom in the neighborhood. Now my coffee shop that was closed for a couple months down the street. Now they're doing takeout orders. You know, there's more people on the streets. It's like, there's just something about this Gemini season that I think is just going to start to increasingly rush in more activity because of just the nature of, of the sign and the need for movement. Um, yeah. And restlessness, restlessness. Yeah. Yeah. You totally agree. I, well, at least I hope so. I, I think, and, and even if it doesn't, I think we're all just going to be moving because we have no other choice but to, because we're like, I must move my body. <laughs> I must, my mind, my mind is twirling in all types of things if I don't go, you know? Uh, and that's the thing, just key for Gemini energy out there uh, in Gemini season is that the mind, whew, it, it 
twirls and dances. It goes, you know, and being in your body is very key. I've learned as being a Mars and Gemini, it's like, it's, if there's no sort of grounding, then it turn, it can turn into a tornado um, very easily. So you got to just, I guess, get the tip out there first. I'll, I'll introduce yeah. you with the tip. <laughs> yeah, totally. But Okay, so here, let's, so as with other, these other broadcasts that I've done, um, where we look at the season as a whole, we're going to run through it chronologically, basically, and kind of just see what comes up, play with some ideas as Gemini would, uh, and see where we end up at the end of this, I guess, of what our conclusions may be. Um, but we get into Gemini season, like I said, on May 20th. Um, and there's a couple things that happen before we get to that new moon period. So basically before we get our, you know, our rebirth in the Gemini energy, we're going, you know, Venus is already retrograde at this point in Gemini. So that's coloring the whole season, right? You know, of her doing her own dance as, you know, the sun moves through there. But before we get to that new moon, we basically have Venus retrograde who is going to do her second square with Neptune basically on the day that Gemini season starts. And so this is intriguing to me, especially in the dark of the moon, right? When in our introspective space, how now we have this retrograde Venus revisiting some of the Neptune energy from a couple of weeks earlier. Um, so yeah, yeah. Do you have any, do you have any personal observations from <laughs> when yeah. that happened recently? Well, when I was looking back at my calendar, like to see kind of what I was doing during that time. And it was really creative. Um, I remember that was Evelyn and I had done our candles, our ritual candles. And we were packing all those up to send out. And I had a bunch of writing and like creative project stuff that I had to do. Um, and I just remember feeling very ungrounded those two days and feeling like I, I can't remember if I, cause I know like the way that I interpret this transit is that there's kind of a need to escape or not have to kind of do the things that you have to do. So it's like I had two really productive days. So I think for me, but they were creative. Like it wasn't, um, it wasn't, I guess in some sense it was practical, like having to go to the post office and do that kind of stuff is practical. But it's like the work that I do still gets to lend itself to creativity. So maybe that square felt a little bit better. And Venus and Neptune, right? They enjoy their similar energies. Like Neptune's a higher octave of Venus. So I feel like even with that square, if we're able to lean into an energy that kind of releases our inhibitions or our seriousness or more of those Saturnian kind of mundane qualities that maybe the square will feel not so, you know, moody or <laughs> frustrated, right? Because um, it is, you know, Venus and Neptune. So I would just say being creative seemed to work for me <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> at the beginning of the month. So maybe knowing this is coming up in its retrograde, if you didn't know how to release yourself in a positive way at the beginning of the month, maybe try that this time. Mm. Like where can you melt some of the rigidity? You know, where can Ooh. you go with the flow? Where can you just relax and be a little bit more playful? Right, because it's, it's the dark of the moon too at this point. So we're not going to have a whole lot of energy behind us anyways. And now Venus is retrograde. And I was quite creative myself at that time too. I had a lot of music coming to me and Neptune does definitely connect with that. Uh, you know, musician side, especially for me, I have a, you know, it's transiting my fifth house basically. 
and I'm going through a Neptune, Neptune square, which is a whole other podcast right. in itself. Um, but uh, there were some, because uh, Venus, you know, Venus, she's our relationship planet, and especially for Scorpio risings like myself, you know, that's a seventh house planet. And so, uh, you know, there were some murky, uh, you know, relationship issues going on, at least for me during that time. But that's, this is the nice thing, is that even though so it was like, a, it was like, here, we'll give you this incredibly creative period where you can write this lovely music, but we're going to, we're going to, you know, uh, mess with your, with your heart a little bit so that uh-huh. you can get yeah. the creative music. It was a trade-off. It was like, hmm, we'll give you the tension so that you can get the, the juice out of it. But, um, but that's the beauty when we have these transits that go back and, you know, we have a planet retrograde and it goes back and forth a couple times to make a couple passes. It's usually the first one is the most challenging or the one that, you know, if, if it if it's just happens to be in your chart or highlighted for you, like it was for me to be a little more, you know, then, then the second time around seems to be more of a relief. That's why I like when you said the, the idea of releasing and especially opening up because Venus helps us open up to things. Um, and, uh, you know, she's in Gemini. And so she's, she needs to open up to new ways of thinking or like entertaining different ways of thinking, especially around relationships and values and all these types of Venusian type of things and creativity or creative approach. Um, and so I, I like what you said about releasing some of that um, and maybe revisiting something that happened earlier, especially if you did have some grief. Um, Cause I know that was coming up for a lot of people was, yeah. was grief related things because, you know, it was paired pretty close to a, a, a full moon in Scorpio and, you know, trining Neptune, like it, it made a lot of sense. And so it seems like right before this new moon in Gemini, where our mind's going to get charged into a, you know, a new mental directive there, this does seem nice to release and escape in, in a positive way where we just let go, just be, create, you know, daydream, etc. So just know it basically in the first couple of days, of Gemini season before we get to that new moon, that things just might be a little otherworldly, a little dreamy. Your mind just might be, you know, flipping through some creative spaces, etc. Uh, so in other words, don't push too hard. Don't push anything too hard um, during that time. But Okay, so we made it through Venus retrogrades, Neptune, second Neptune square. Only one more to go in late July. (laughs) So she won't be back for a while with that one. Um, But here we have this new moon in Gemini that happens on May 22nd, just a few days in. And that's going to happen at two degrees and four minutes of Gemini. So pretty quick. We we just yeah. get in there and um the two degree the 2020 ah it is a lot of twos and i mean we think about mutable and the gemini itself is literally two yep. <laughs> so duality. duality yes yes hmm. twirl that over i already twirled it over <laughs> but now i'm twirling again um <laughs> All right. Well, let's... Okay. So here we have this duality-inducing new moon um, that's happening. And okay, so it's fascinating to me because there's a couple things going on in this new moon. We got number one, Mercury, who's in Gemini, is conjunct Venus, who's retrograde, at this new moon, which 
is so interesting to me because, you know, the new moon sets up basically the whole lunar cycle. So even though it's happening on the day of the new moon, this energy is seeded in to the whole cycle. So we have Mercury conjuncting the Venus retrograde. We have Mercury also making the square to Neptune, right? So here Neptune just came back into the picture. But then we have the sun trining Saturn too. And what an odd couple are all those together? I, I mean, <laughs> do you have any thoughts on that, that Gemini new moon to get, get us started in the season? Yeah. I mean, I'm kind of excited about it in the sense that I feel like there's so much tension that we've had at the beginning of this year, right? Like we've had so mm. much tension and I feel like we are starting to feel like things are opening back up a little bit. And I feel like Taurus season has really kind of ignited some of that. Like there's kind of this um, rebirth that Taurus season brings in terms of what's happening in the earth. And we all get kind of motivated or inspired to make money and do things. We're watching kind of the merchants, you know, able to open up again in these kind of new ways. And so I'm kind of feeling like Taurus season is setting a stage for this new moon in Gemini where all this tension that we've kind of had and like, how do we relate to this new world or this new life? Um, this new moon and all of the factors like the Saturn trine with the Venus Mercury, it just makes me feel like we're learning new ways to relate and adapt to this new vision of this new identity that the world might be having that now we've all kind of had to grow a little bit used to, whether we like it or not. We're just like, whatever we need to do to just move forward, we'll do it. If that means wearing face masks <laughs> and six feet apart from each other, fine. But just like, let us have our... Let work. us out! Yeah. Well, no, that's, you know, and so here's the odd couple just pairing so well together now then, right? Because here we have Venus, uh, who is already our social planet, and Mercury, who's out there wanting to, you know, uh, move around. Um, and they're conjoined in this... Um, strong energy as she's retrograde too. She, she can't quite move too much, but she's going to be moving. And then we have the sun trying Saturn in air signs, you know, Saturn over there in Aquarius. And here we have the new rules. We just like the, the new regulations. It's like, okay, well, we are going to let everything start to open back up, but you're going to have to flow with, you know, this list or of, of things that you have to basically abide by in society. And that's very Saturn and Aquarius because the second Saturn moved into Aquarius is when social distancing started, right? I know. You can't make this stuff up. Like, honestly, it's so... uh, Yeah, New York Times, take that one. Take that one, put it in your pocket. Um, But, and so we just had Saturn station. You know what astrology means? Right. <laughs> well, and we just had Saturn station too. Um, so it's it's taken off pressure too. So there's there's sat, there's less Saturn pressure. There's less Venus pressure because now she's kind of kind of doing her doing her thing backwards. We got Mercury helping that out. Now the Mercury square Neptune thing is very interesting to me within the context of the whole lunar because the, the, the other two make sense. Um, but maybe that's in relation to the virus too when you think about it because that's where you know virus and the disease and the, um, all that basically stems from very Neptunian places. And so maybe that's 
part of it. Um, but there's just a, there's a dreaming quality to this whole cycle, which is interesting in Gemini because we just talked about how much it's about the facts or what can we see or what do we know? We don't like uncertainty, right? Gemini does not like uncertainty and Neptune is all uncertainty. <laughs> so it's an interesting pairing. Yeah. With the square, the Mercury Neptune square. Um, yeah. yeah, it's interesting when you brought up the pandemic stuff, because I was reading a little bit um, in prep. We have this medical astrology book in the shop that I was really excited to get because I don't know that much about medical astrology, but I was reading about Gemini's relationship to the lungs and how it relates to the inhalation of the breath. And Sag is the exhalation of the breath. And um, I just find that interesting in terms of the nodes, the pandemic, Mm. the lung-like virus that we have going on, and then Mercury squaring Neptune. And yeah, Neptune's kind of like this moist, unknown. Like to me, Neptune would be the virus. Exactly, exactly. And then Mercury. And it's interesting too, though, because we could see it as like Mercury does want to know it wants the facts it wants to make advancements in technology and in you know science there's venus also has a scientific quality to it when it's in the sign of gemini as its esoteric ruler where venus wants to you know kind of get more into the nitty-gritty of uh, what's behind everything and so the fact they're together with neptune to me it's like maybe that means that we know more maybe there's some kind of hidden truth that gets exposed or uncovered um, in the activation of this new moon. I'm not saying like that day per se that it would happen, but maybe Mm. that cycle, right? There's something that gets activated over that that is new. Maybe there's a conspiracy involved because, Uh you know, that's how my brain is. (laughs) Here's the thing though, and and why, why I think that is very astute because... Number one, Mercury is in its own sign, right? So it's strong. And so if we are looking at more scientific data and facts and, 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 you know, challenging Neptune, right? Because a square is a challenge. And I can see something coming out to knowledge-wise or tech-wise that is going to help us combat this a little bit more. And not only with Mercury being... um, in that position at the new moon. And I'm, I'm skipping a little bit ahead, but I just kind of want to play it out there before my thought escapes me as Gemini yeah. can do. Um, is yeah. that the first quarter moon where we push off of this energy is at nine degrees Virgo on May 29th. And, um, I just wrote a whole article for um, uh, the Uranian for our San Diego Astrological Society newsletter, uh, where I did all this research on the Sun-Mars synodic cycle in relation to COVID-19, because Mars seemed very upfront in the destruction that it was creating with this whole cycle, and it timed out very well. And the synodic cycle itself, which I wrote about... um, it started at, I believe, at the end of August of uh, 2019, and it was a stellium of um, at nine degrees Virgo. So here we have this new moon pushing off of energy at the first quarter that is basically activating the Sun-Mars synodic cycle that also sat there with Venus and Mercury. And we know Mercury is the ruler of Virgo, so Mercury is part of this party, and here Mercury is now squaring Neptune, within it. So 
there's, I mean, I can do a podcast on this alone and I might need to because there, it, there were so many fascinating yeah. things that uh, I, I could... <laughs> well, I just, saw that on here and I knew I was like oh my god what is she gonna talk about with this because I remember you telling me about that with the yeah the so my radar has been up with nine degrees and everything I'm like oh my god what does it mean <laughs> what does it mean well yeah, what's is actually really funny because my North Node and Saturn are right there in Virgo, so no wonder I'm picking up on it. I'm like, this is this is my degree. I know this spot, um, but and it's really rather fascinating because, um, and I'll just give a little teaser with this: is that the if you pull up that Sun uh, Mars synodic chart uh, conjunction uh, for the U.S., it was exactly on the ascendant for Washington, which is the people. And that's why we got hit so hard with the destruction. And if you know, if you look at uh, Wuhan, China, in the just the position of Wuhan and like Beijing um, is exactly longitudinally opposite from us. So whenever we have something on the ascendant, they're going to exactly have it on the descendant, which is putting by mundane considerations, it puts these planets, um, you know, much more active and why we are, you know, we were basically the recipient of the seventh house energy to the first house. And the whole thing, like, uh, you know, if you look at at the astral cartography of it, the whole uh, synodic conjunction basically ripped through Washington up through New York. And this is, the, these are the hardest hit, you know, New York's hardest hit area. So um, I don't want to give it all away because there's a lot I want to talk about it in maybe more of a, you know, structured fashion. But just know that your observation there ties into what I'm seeing with the first quarter push and where we might be making some breakthroughs scientifically uh, around some of the data and the things that we've, you know, accrued up into this time, right? Because we've, We've had some time, you know, we've had several months to deal with this. I'm hoping that, you know, we're, I've stopped looking at numbers. I don't know about you. I did a, quite yeah, some I've time. Stopped. <laughs> I've stopped for a while. I think the end of March or no, wait, end of April is when I stopped. I'm like, I don't even know what time it is anymore. I'm like, when does April <laughs> come before March? Does March come after April? I'm like, what? Sometime in April, I stopped looking. I have just been not even checking the news anymore. Yeah, me too. Me too. Um, for your own sanity, because I ain't got time for that. You know what? I just don't have time for that because I got to... No, it's too dismal. It is. It is. And, you know, Gemini, we, we want to live a little lighter, a little freer. A right. little... Uh, <laughs> we need to get the... Light. Yeah. We gotta lighten up. So basically, we have this interesting new moon uh, that has so much. Um, I will have to see, right? Because Gemini is all about curiosity, right? And there is that level of uncertainty with the Neptune, con- you know, contacts going on. So let's just be curious to see what we're going to find, um, and know that uh, it, you know, it might be some time before whatever we need to know is is revealed. Um, <laughs> but. Okay, so basically, once we have that new moon on uh, May 22nd, then we have a couple things that happen before we get to that first quarter moon in Virgo. So one of the first aspects to be made is Mars, who's now in Pisces, right? Which is is interesting too in itself, as I was just talking about the Mars cycle and getting into... Pisces, which is, you know, obviously it's going to go meet Neptune at some point, but basically 
Mars sextiles Uranus, kind of first thing um, from Pisces to Taurus, which I don't know. What are, you, what are your takes on just Mars, maybe Mars and Pisces in general um, and throwing some Uranus action to kick off the lunar cycle? It seems... Yeah. Um, I feel little. like my initial reaction to Mars and Pisces, and maybe it's because I have Mars in an Earth sign, isn't my favorite personally. <laughs> I don't know. I'm Pisces moon, so it's like you'd think that I'd be like, oh yeah, sure. But I think I'm already so ungrounded and so like... I'm I'm so Piscean and like that already. I'm like I don't need my like one motivator to go <laughs> into this like you know watery elusive period. But um, yeah, I feel kind of like I'm I'm kind of glad that there's a lot of the air energy happening. To be honest, while this is happening, because I feel like it might kind of keep us in a place where we still have energy and momentum, and maybe it's good that Mars is kind of cooling off during the air energy mm-hmm. versus it being kind of more heated up because then air and fire can be a little too much ramp up with that. So I'm trying to see the positive and a cooled off Mars, you know, but um, I don't know if I feel very, I mean, Mars and Uranus making a sextile, I think is opportune. Like I think there's opportunity here for us to find new ways to move forward and, because we got no choice. Yeah. <laughs> doing it in a way, like I know a lot of, I know the transit hasn't happened yet, but like maybe this will kind of lend itself towards setting the stage for this is that I've heard a lot from people in the Bay Area. Maybe it's this way in San Diego where Bay Area has always been very aggressive. Like people aren't very kind to each other overtly. Like it's just a very intense place. And through the pandemic, I've heard people are being a lot more kind and compassionate um, in the grocery stores or on the street. Like there's not as much road rage and people are just being kinder to each other. So I'm thinking maybe through, there's like things we're learning through this process that are allowing us to have more compassion and more open heartedness in ways that are unexpected, you know, or we're, we're changed as a people after this. Right. Which is, um, maybe how that sex style could uh, come out. Yeah, at least be like a a stepping stone to that or like a tipping point with where we're going. Well, it's interesting because as you were saying that... it dawned on me. So I took a park walk today as I like to do, uh, which I'm glad the parks are open. I was like losing my shit by the, not being able to go see some birds and some grass. I'm like, um, but on my way back, I ran into uh, a friend of mine uh, who is a tour director and uh, she's always, you know, typically she's always out on the town showing people around, you know, she is just always on the go. Um, and you know, that is just one of the industries that got decimated by, uh, by this whole pandemic. And so we, we ran into each other with our face masks and we just sat on the corner of the street catching up. And so I asked her, well, we just started talking about, because she's like, well, I don't know what I'm going to do. I took these video editing classes. You know, she's, you know, she's a little bit older too. So it can be a little more jarring when you have age behind you and you have to 
go do something else, you know? What am yeah. I going to do? I've been doing this the whole time. But we ended up, she was like, oh my God, I took this video uh, editing certifi- certification class. And so now I'm thinking of these new ways. And she's got this super Aquarius stellium, like super Aquarius. And so I was like, you know what? You're like the perfect person to think, you know, think outside of the box. You're going to come up with something. Um, and she's got an Aries moon too. So I'm like, you're going to pioneer yourself into a whole new way because of this, um, you know, what's going on. And she's like, well, you know what, Mel, now I think about it. She's like, she's like way back in the day, she ended up getting, she unfortunately got a DUI, uh, long, long, long time ago. And it then, and she was driving buses at that time. And then she, it, it segued her to become a tour director because she couldn't drive anymore. And so, which set up her whole you know, career. And then she's like, you know, what's funny before that is that I was uh, driving, uh, I was using uh, pedicab bicycles. And then one night I got robbed and then I couldn't do the bike anymore. And that's when a friend told me, Hey, I'm driving these vans. Why don't you come drive these vans? And so what she was basically saying is that every time something uh, seemingly bad or destructive would happen, which is very Mars or, or Saturn too. And I do know she has Mars conjunct Saturn in her chart, but (laughs) giving it all away. Uh, uh, But anyways, uh, anonymity, but she, what she was basically saying is that when you know, maybe karma or spirit directs you in some way or puts an obstacle in your way or, um, you know, God forbid, gets robbed or something. She was redirected to what the next thing was going to be. And this speaks to me as this Mars in Pisces, because Mars in Pisces, it seems like some of the activity that's going to be going on can seem very karmic or very spiritual uh, connected with it, where you just kind of got to go with the flow. It is what it is. And then that's just where we're at. Um, And then Uranus and Taurus, you know, this is actually our livelihood. This is what we do. This is a very physical space, but it's also, you know, water and earth together. This it's form building too. So it makes me think, you know, maybe it's kind of like her story where whatever we are up against or have been up against, that no matter what, it's twisting the journey or the quest to be into its next route, like a twist of fate. In, in yeah, some way. that's beautiful. I love that story. Ah, well, I'm glad I ran into her today. <laughs> Yeah, totally. It was meant to be for this story. Because I mean, I personally relate a lot to that as well. Maybe not in such an extreme way, but um, and I'm sure a lot of us do where it's like these weird things where it seems like everything we've been building is just falling apart and not going the way that we envision it going for the long term. But what's birthed out of it is usually better not always i mean that's the free will part i think is like seizing the opportunity when it presents itself to you um but yeah i i feel like i could definitely see this whole year in general with a lot of these major shifts happening being like an opportunity for us to get outside of that box that we've been in for so long as a culture. We've all wanted a big shift, you know? Yeah. And then it's like, then you're like, the universe is like, here you go. And you're like, what? I wasn't ready for that. Yeah. So that's, that's funny. So, you know, we, we start off with that. So that's just kind of built into the energy first thing. And so go with the flow, see where you end up, you know, follow that, uh, that, weird twist of fate or that 
ingenious idea that comes up and, or, you know, and Mars and Pisces can get, you know, it's going to have energy behind it that is more, is creative, is flowing, is more spiritual. And I know that's another thing that's coming up. Um, and I know we got a lot to get through here, but that's just a theme that I've seen within everything that's happening to people is that through all this time off, they're more in touch with their spirit. They're, they're, they're making changes in their lives because they realize this wasn't satisfying anymore. And I want to go this direction or this speaks more, you know? And so this seems to also play into that now that we've had time with ourselves and we, hopefully a lot of us, especially more of us that are into things like this and more aware of, you know, life and a, and a bigger picture of it all, um, that there is opportunity to kind of follow the spiritual impulse um, as well that we have, uh, you know, kind of almost been forced to look at in, in many ways. The perfect time to reroute. Yes. Like you get kind of a free pass this year. <laughs> like so true. No one's going to hold it against you if you just are like, I can't do this. I'm starting over. So true. Well, it's okay. So there we go. Mars and Uranus giving us the opportunity first thing. Uh, and then, you know, a couple of days later, uh, we have Mercury ingressing into Cancer, which also puts us more in this watery space. You know, Mercury's going to leave its domicile of Gemini, which, uh, you know, enjoy it while it lasts. Mercury's traveling pretty, pretty fast right now. So, um, you know, it's it's going, there's going to be, there's going to be a shift once Mercury, because keep in mind when we're in Gemini season, everything is looking to not everything, but the sun itself uh, and Venus in her retrograde cycle is all looking to Mercury. So once it ingresses into cancer on May 28th, we're going to kind of dip back into the emotional realm, into that intuition, into the imaginative uh, caretaking, nurturing type of space. Um, but we also know that Mercury in Cancer is much more subjective and emotional. And uh, so we went from this like pretty objective space of like to, to now being kind of in, in the thick of the mind to some extent. And so that's an interesting shift. You know, what do you think? Yeah. I mean, I feel like we didn't really talk too much about the Venus retrograde Gemini in regards to like relationship communication dynamics and just kind of what can happen in terms of that hologram, right? Like when Venus is in a sign like Gemini, we're really getting that hologram through others. So it's like, we're learning a lot through the other and what's reflected back to us. And I feel like there's an opportunity while Mercury is in domicile to have a rational mind and to kind of get things on the table and kind of go, this isn't working or this is what I need or how do I communicate effectively with the other, you know, and that could be significant other friends, work people, anybody that you're in relation to, right. Or any situation that's a reflection back And then the hope would be that you would have worked through some of those needs so that when Mercury ingresses into cancer, you feel good and empowered and confident to be able to communicate those needs effectively and also give those things in a way that feels good. And, you know, cancer is needy. Cancer is emotional. Cancer 
um, wants to feel things and wants to be sensitive and vulnerable. And if you don't have a healthy relationship to vulnerability and then Mercury is in a sign like cancer, those feelings can be really hard to feel because you're suppressing it instead of talking it out. And Mercury in water signs wants to talk about feelings. Like it yeah. really wants to communicate. I need this. I feel this way. I need to be needed. I need to give and I need to connect. And so hopefully, um, that time period, we're allowing ourselves to kind of be open. I think a lot of us are going to have a lot of trauma too from um, this time period that we're all living through. There's a lot of collective trauma. A lot of death has happened this year for a lot of people. And Mercury is also the planet that travels between the living and the dead. So we're experiencing kind of that collectively right now and i think mercury can be a strong mercury you know is our communication way like the messenger like this is how we're you know um working through things and so i think that this is a good opportunity for us to be open to therapy and open to getting help or receiving help if we need it in terms of like healing any trauma and i think that by this summer um after the Venus retrograde, we might be more self-aware on what that trauma is and what we need to begin healing. So that's kind of my perception of Mercury and Cancer because the retrograde for Mercury is going to happen exactly in Cancer. And then it's going to be a whole, you know, there's so many people losing grandparents and parents right now. Like that's been, and like the nursing home separation of, your family members and all of that kind of stuff. That also feels like something that's been really traumatic as a collective for us to all be separate from each other, from family members. So I feel like that summer period, which is usually where family vacations happen and where, you know, that's like our break to go do fun things that maybe we're not going to get to do in the same way or those trips that we normally would take depending on where, where we live or what we have going on. Um, it's just... Yeah. Yeah, I th- I, that's my thought process. It's going to be like emotionally hard. <laughs> well, and it's interesting. Well, yeah, because we have to remember too that not only is Mercury going to retrograde in this area at the end of Gemini season. So we are prepping for our own underworld journey that's going to take place within uh, Mercury's realm that's going to pair with the Venus retrograde. But we also have to remember that Mercury going into cancer is going to be the first planet to go into cancer since the nodes moved out of it because most of what we have been, you know, encountering with the stay at home order, you know, being separated from your family. And these were the last throws and the last cries of the, the nodal access basically in cancer and Capricorn. So it's interesting to have Mercury then come into this space, preparing itself for its own retrograde, uh, which is going to get in the retrograde shadow on June 1st, basically a couple of days after that first quarter moon in Virgo. Um, you know, so we'll, so it won't be too long after it gets in there that it's going to be in its shadow state. So there is something shadowy. And that's why I love when you brought up, you know, the idea of maybe going to therapy and talking out some of the things that you've been through, because a lot of us have gone through trauma, whether it's with, you know, death, with uh, being separated from our loved ones, whether it's losing your job, losing your your way because you, you can't do your job anymore, or you can't do, you know, there's so many variables of, of PTSD that could be taking place uh, through this whole thing. Um, and so I think that was a, a 
good suggestion, especially if you find yourself in a place to do that. Um, but it's just so interesting how all the planets are setting this up to have our minds go into this watery space. And we got to keep in mind too, the whole time that Mercury is in Cancer and when it's in its retrograde process, every single move the moon makes is going to determine what you're thinking, what your mind's doing, you know, because cancer is that, uh, you know, that it's that cycle. It's that, it's that cyclical, uh, you know, moon cycle where one minute you're up, one minute you're down and you got to learn to roll with the waves and Mercury as a rational functioning that, it would like to be objective, you know, it just isn't in that space. And we have to keep in, in mind that that is going to be very much a part of this Gemini season, uh, especially since it moves in there rather early, um, that there will be that more emotional variable that's going to be taking place only because Mercury is going to be at the whims of the moon, uh, essentially, and preparing its shadow phase to then do its retrograde. So I'd like to think that we'd have like more of this objective of Gemini season where you can like look at the facts, but there's just something about that Mercury and Cancer that, uh, and it's prepping for that retrograde that has a lot of uh, emotional uh, juice behind it for the mind to wade through basically. Yeah, totally. I feel like it's going to be just all, like, I mean, if we look at Mercury retrograde Cancer last year too, like I know. (laughs) A little bit in front of it. I know for me, I'm not really that stoked on the water mercury retrogrades. That's for sure. It's not, it's not a fun feeling, uh, in terms of our emotional health. And it just feels like, I don't know. I always just think of like the, the, even though it's not Saturn, I think of that Saturnian energy that we talked about in our depression podcast of like that kind of damp, cold, just heavy, like bleh kind of feeling. So um, I remember just feeling that way last year with a lot of the water retrogrades when they would hit. And I think that it just makes sense. We're having a weird year, you know, that we would be going through these like really low lows. Yeah. Even after like a high, you know, like maybe there's some high highs that happen around the new moon and then we get into that low low. Or kind of in this. Period. You're already speaking cancer. You're just you're speaking yeah. cancer here. That's this is just the nature, you know. It's being being a cancer. I'll tell you, it's like it's that's just yeah, it is. it is. And then Mercury is that duality, so it's always having that kind of weird, <laughs> you know, that weird back and forth. Anyways, yeah. Well, you know, okay, so if you need a precursor and kind of looking back, think back to, you know, around this time last year, I'm forgetting the exact uh, times it went retrograde, but, you know, it was in the summer uh, space. Um, Remind yourself uh, what that might have looked like. Of course, it's going to look like a little different this year, Uh, but, you know, and I want to say last year it had both Leo and Cancer. Yeah. yeah, so it wasn't a full. Yeah. Um, so yeah, no, not to scare anybody about Mercury ingressing to Cancer, but just to be aware of the flavor that it's going to give Gemini season because not only is it uh, influencing the sun, it's influencing that Venus retrograde um, and then it's doing its own dance. So that being said, let's keep up on our Mercury too, because then we have first quarter at nine degrees of Virgo on May 29th, and we're pushing forward in the Virgo space, which is also looking to Mercury now in uh, Cancer 
too in preparing for its shadow. So that, that's just interesting. <laughs> oh, Mercury, how did you just become so intertwined into everything here? Which is Mercury already is intertwined into everything, right? That's like the very nature. It's like you think of the caduceus and the the snakes going around. It's like Mercury's everywhere at once. <laughs> yeah, oh, so. I think that that feels good to me about making progress or moving along the pandemic in many ways because it's an you know it's a mutable sign. Immutable signs are trying to move something along and transition it into a, a new area. Um, and then same with the whole work thing that's been going on too, of like people being out of jobs and we know unemployment is just getting pretty crazy right now. And so it, it seems very fitting and apropos that we'd be pushing forward in this, uh, let's figure this out. We need a transition. Uh, and so that seems right to me in that Virgo space. Yeah, definitely. I think so. I don't really have anything to add to that. <laughs> that's, that's okay. We had plenty to talk about here. So yeah. we're just going to keep on going down that list. Because um, actually we're about to get to some meat here, you know, during that first yeah. quarter before we get to our, uh, basically between first quarter and Virgo. And then we have a, a penumbral lunar eclipse at 15 degrees Sagittarius on June 5th. So as that, all that lunar energy is waxing forward, uh, Mercury gets in its shadow and then Venus retrograde squares Mars and Pisces and then makes its sun conjunction basically June 2nd and June 3rd. And I know I talked a lot about this in the last episode with Aquila when we did talk about Venus retrograde, but uh, you know, what, what thoughts do you have on basically Venus finally squaring Mars. They've been trying to dance for so long and this is the first aspect they are making since January, basically. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then conjuncting the sun in a new cycle all in like two days time. Yeah, how do I feel about that? Your, her face right now is classic. I know, I know, because I'm thinking about it. I'm like not totally grounded today either. So I feel like I'm having a hard time mentally, which is, um, the transit today, which we started out talking about. Um, it's well, a Mercury square today, right now to Mars. And that might be part of it though, because I mean, we were just talking about that earlier with, you know, air signs is up in the air. It's very mental, right? You know, Mars and Pisces, it's in water. It's not grounded either. And so we don't really have a whole lot of grounded energy this whole cycle, right? Because we started out with some Saturn stuff early on. Um, but just the way that, you know, because Gemini is in, a, is in a, a version or what some would say an inconjunct to Capricorn. So we don't have all that earth energy and all those Capricorn hits that we've had for the last couple seasons, right? Because now right. that energy is, is, it's blindsided by that. So there's, there is something that is not grounded about any of this <laughs> for, yeah, for this okay. season. But I also feel like we've been grounded the whole time, right? So we're, we're like, you know what, let us, let us not be, I'm, I'm thinking in the term of like, like your, if your parents grounded you, right. You yeah. know, Totally, <laughs> of what it all means. I know it's really bizarre. You think that it's just the way our society is kind of conditioning us. I think to we have an aversion to being at home because we have this pressure to need to be productive, but then we've lost how to be productive at home, which can be very grounded and very mm. 
healing, you know, in a whole other way. So yeah, it's just interesting. But getting back on topic, Venus square Mars <laughs> and conjunct the sun. Yeah, I mean, personally, like mutable squares are really difficult. Like I'm naturally somebody that has, you know, those get hit a lot in my chart in terms of natally because of all the mutable energy I have. And I feel like, yeah, like you said it, like it's a very ungrounding energy, like kind of like the Venus-Neptune square that we were talking about too. But I think that with Mars, there's usually a pressure like it feels very intense. It feels very like um, there's a need to produce something, which it might not feel so much like that since it's in Pisces, right? It might be softer, but um, I just feel like um, there might be a lot of confusion around what direction we're trying to go in. And we might feel like we need to pick some direction, but it's not like there's going to be a lot of there's not like that safety net probably with it when we have Mars in a sign like Capricorn or Virgo, where it's like, here's the goal, here's the plan, here's what I'm executing, here's what I need to do. Um, and, you know, we don't, we don't have that when it's in Pisces. It's we got a slippery fish. <laughs> putting the arrow into the void, like literally, you know, and it's just very hard. I mean, that's how I feel right now. Like personally with everything, when I look into the future in terms of my own kind of perception of, of the decisions I'm going to have to be making during this time when these aspects are hitting, I'm like, yeah, like I am going to have to make decisions based off of the fact that there's so many unknown factors in the world right now. And it's just what we're, we just have to do it. Right. And I think that it can be intuitive, like hopefully because of that Piscean and Gemini quality and Venus, right? Venus is very intuitive that maybe there is an intuitive inclination, like your friend's story, right? Where she's talking about these things happen and I don't know, but then it leads me over here and it is really great. So hopefully we'll have some kind of deeper, like that, you know, ethereal consciousness coming in and guiding us and, it'll feel scary and hard and like a risk has to be taken, but we're being guided by spirit probably more than rational thought. And and that's the nice thing too, because here Venus is squaring Mars in a retrograde cycle, but she's also meeting the sun for rebirth too. So that, that seems right to me. This whole meeting seems like a very spiritual quality, even though it's in a sign that might be less than spiritual, you know, Gemini, if we're looking at facts and, and, you know, certainties of life and science and stuff like that. But Mars is really pushing the like, oh, well, you don't know it all, do you? Well, Venus and Gemini is more (laughs) spiritual, right? It's more esoteric. It's the soul expression of Gemini. So I feel like then that's hopefully that's the that'll be the case. I mean, they, it seems very connective to me, no matter what, though, because Gemini and Pisces are both very connective, but in different ways. You know, Gemini right. wants to, wants to talk and socialize and shoot ideas out. Uh, you know, Pisces wants to cuddle and kiss and, and right. get as close as possible. Oh, I haven't touched anybody in so long. You know, this is I feel like if if people are going to reach some type of breaking point when it comes to like touch and canoodling. Um, um, if people use that word, uh, <laughs> you think this lend itself to speakeasies. This almost seems like a speakeasy transit. Like, well, like, um, dark, uh, 
like social gatherings. That has already been happening. I read something about that not too long ago that people were, or maybe someone was putting forth this idea. I don't remember. I've, this concept has come to me before. Um, which is funny that you bring that up. So yeah, absolutely. There might be some underground secretive, uh, you know, well, cause that's the thing is like most people, most places are not going to have clubs open yet. They're not going to have music venues open. They're not going to have, so this, yeah, I think that could totally be the case where all of a sudden, you know, you got to say this secret password to get into someone's basement and there's going to be a raging party at the bottom of it. Very Venus. Square Mars Pisces. Yes, yes. Venus Gemini Square Mars Pisces. Yeah, that's funny. So I well, I guess we're coming to the point fat fact that Venus is definitely getting rebirth. So she her she's just gaining some sort of insight into her own situation at that point. Uh, but chances are people are going to want to connect. Uh, people might be doing it in secret. You know, there is just there's this. Yeah, there there's. Uh, there's a ten. There's a tension that is getting activated that has been there the whole time, almost because it, you know if you heard me talk about Venus and Mars's cycle for this whole year, uh, they just don't. Almost, they almost met in a trine, but they just didn't. <laughs> and so then it like pulls back to the square, and so it's just activating. And so just early June in general has so much hot spot information coming in between Mercury getting into its shadow, and it's like okay, well take note because we're gonna go back over this <laughs> and very very soon here uh, yeah. and then venus mars and the sun uh bring bring the action basically uh, and then a couple days later on june 5th uh which is paired with the eclipse and sagittarius we have mercury sextiling uranus and then squaring chiron um which is an interesting thing going on with the gemini you know, connection too. So, you know, Mercury's trying to get out there, right? You know, here we have the sextile to Uranus, but um, the square to Chiron's interesting within maybe what comes out with Venus squaring Mars and conjuncting the sun, you know, whatever is kind of said at that time or kept underneath. And then all of a sudden it comes out with the sextile to Uranus, like, oh, surprise, here's some more information. Here's some more maybe emotional information that comes out with the cancer part. And it might trigger you in some way or it might, uh, it's going to bring wisdom, but it's going to shake you up a little bit with the square to Chiron. Um, and it's all paired with the eclipse at 15 degrees of Sagittarius, um, where it's it's not concept anymore. It's like we experience it, like how we started <laughs> the whole podcast. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, do you want to touch on any of those? Mercury, Uranus, the the eclipse, and Sagittarius. There's plenty. Yeah, I feel like the Mercury square to Chiron is worth talking about, just in how the Chiron energy of this year is interesting to me. Just it's gotten hit a lot I feel like in a way that I'm feeling in relation to assertion like how we're asserting ourselves in our dynamics and I feel like that because Venus is retrograde in Gemini specifically that sign this year I feel like um and Mercury kind of holding so much weight that the way we assert and communicate in our relationship dynamics is kind of like a big theme. And I'm seeing it in a lot of people's individual charts, which is interesting. Like I'm attracting a lot of people that have that specific kind of thing happening where um, they're having to really learn harmony and balance in 
relationship and heal wounds around how they're perceived when they assert or wounds around not asserting, if that makes sense. So I absolutely, yeah. So I feel like that's something um, that maybe, you know, like mercury and cancer is kind of helping us. Like I'm, I need to be vulnerable. I need to talk. I need to, I need to explain myself and what's happening under the surface. And then Chiron's kind of going in and healing like the way that we assert that and how, how do we stay empowered and confident? How do we, um, you know, we're in that emperor year too, that four year of like stability and work and kind of trying to, that emperor energy to me is very like that authority figure. Like we're trying to find our inner authority and that's very Chiron and Aries to me too. Like we're trying to find our, our inner leader or our inner authority. Mm. So um, I think it'll be interesting. Well, it's I guess to all those things, because those are the same themes I've noticed too. And Venus has been doing her dance with Chiron and, and the sun basically sextiles Chiron on first quarter moon too. So I didn't mention that, but so we do get a solar hit before that. But in relation to what you're saying and the idea of, um, you know, Chiron and Aries really uh, challenging us uh, around our assertion, how we assert ourselves or whether we don't, you know, that really, I can see that square with Mercury and Cancer, right? Because, you know, Cancer is the crab. It sidesteps. It's passive aggressive. You know, it's, it's going one way, it's going the other way. You know, like you see me here, you see me over there, you know, where Aries is like, no, this is direct. This is what I have to say. And so that's probably going where the tension is. It's like, you might want to sidestep an issue, but the sextile to Uranus is like, it's going to come out no matter what. So you're going to deal with it straight on, or are you going to uh, dance around it uh, and use passive aggressive, uh, emotional, um, you know, manipulative tactics. Exactly. Exactly. And so that might, be part of the issue around the lunar eclipse that can come up that might test people in their ability to speak up around something that is triggering them or that needs to get out and be said for whatever reason. You know, this can be any area of life, you know, whether it is, you know, speaking to your boss, whether it's, you know, taking care of your health, whether it's speaking with a loved one, you know, whatever that looks like. Um, but we're all learning around it, right? Because I think that, you know, a full, full moon and an eclipse and granted, this is an eclipse that's like 14 degrees off. That's why it's a penumbral eclipse. You know, it's, it's, it's a weak eclipse, but it's still an eclipse. You know, we have the nodes in, in these signs now. Um, so it does have some juice to it for sure. Um, but I feel like we're just opening up to some sort of experience or some sort of something that is basically going to teach us a lot all at once. <laughs> Do you think, I'm wondering, because you study a lot more mundane astrology, like to thinking of the media in this way, like yes. something coming out that we've all been kind of wondering and, you know, it comes out and it's painful and we all have to, as a collective, recover for you know it's kind of like the me too movement happened and that was like a collective kind of thing we've all been experiencing there was a lot of transits kind of happening during that time that you know i remember jupiter was in scorpio like during all that um so maybe too like during some of this stuff that we're going through we'll see some things in the media kind of come out that well especially here in 
the U.S. Because, you know, when we think about just the lunar eclipse taking place in Sagittarius and Gemini anyways, that's our, you know, that's our Sibley chart. That's the chart of the U.S., not to mention U.S. is a Cancer with Jupiter and Venus sitting at the beginning of uh, of Cancer. And it had been receiving squares from Chiron the whole time. And so I could definitely see that being uh, part of what comes out, you know, like, and, and, you know, this, it's, Sagittarius now that the South Node is there too. And that's going to be something that we're going to be going through this whole time for the next 18 months. And I already see it coming up uh, with, you know, news coming out um, that, you know, we've been talking about fake news forever, but now it's like extra, people are even more aware of like, there's more, more, yes. And it's going to get worse and worse and worse until we're like, because everything that comes out is just straight, strictly off people's beliefs or, you know, what I believe or what I, you know, these grand, conspiracy theories that are coming out and all that. And, um, and you know, we're going to spend some time here with all these eclipses that are going to take place. This is really the first eclipse, even though it's a weaker one that's going to be happening in this sign axis. So we're going to get a precursor basically of, um, (laughs) you know, some of this, but it's a culminating energy too, because it's a full moon. So something is exposed, right? You know, like you said, something's going to come out. Um, and we don't know what that's going to be, but we're going to learn a lot from it. It's probably going to get people heated in some way, especially Mercury squaring Chiron and sextile Uranus. It's like, bam, this news is on the scene. How do you feel about it? So Mercury's like, how do you feel about it? Sagittarius is what, what do you believe? You know? And so if you believe one way, you're going to feel one way. If you believe another way, you're going to feel another. And that's where the square to Chiron comes in because, uh, you know, through these triggers, we can all learn something. And I think that's what all these eclipses are going to be about over the next 18 months is about learning something new, not what you believe, not what's been conditioned in your life for whoever put that in your brain or whatever religion put that in your brain or cultural, uh, you know, influence, you know, we have that Gemini that's just like, no, what are the facts? Like, let's break it down. Let's look at it. Let's compartmentalize it in an objective way that isn't just, but I believe it's so, you know, and, and this might be a trigger around that because really to play into that, the next thing that happens the following day on June 6th is the sun squares Mars and Pisces. So basically the sun and the moon are in a T-square with Mars and Pisces during this. So it's adding to that interesting aggression, but also that um, we already talked about Mars and Pisces being an interesting placement for Mars to begin with. So it's a, (laughs) yeah. Yeah, well, it makes sense too. Like, I think that there's a lot of confusion for people with what they believe, right? So it's like, we are questioning everything. And NASA just released that footage of the UFOs. And I mean, the government's been like, saying that there's UFOs for kind of a while now. If you're into aliens and UFOs, you know this isn't like new for the government to finally kind of own the UFO thing. Like that's been kind of happening for a little while. But um, I think of that quote, like, do you believe like in relation to what you're saying? And I feel like um, just with where everything's going, we've got like this really heightened secular part of our society in this country, but we also have this uprise of metaphysical studies right now with astrology being really big again and tarot and all these witchy stores. Like everybody's kind of getting on that level while we have this really secular society. And then we've got this weird pandemic. Nobody knows exactly what happened. Like, where did it come from? Was it an animal? Was it a 
bio thing. Like, you know, there's just so much weird stuff going on. So yeah, I think that the flavor of this kind of summer with whatever's coming out, I think we're just really going to be questioning everything that we previously have believed and then who we are in that, which I already feel a lot this year. It's like, who am I in this time period in history? And is it who I want to be? Like, is this really how I want to go into the next decade is like this, like who, who am I for the future? You know, and I, for the first time I've been upset that I didn't go to college for like a science degree. Like I don't care about any of that stuff really like haven't, you know, but I've been like punching my younger self. Like, why didn't you care about the future of the planet? You should have gone to school for environmental engineering or something that was useful, (laughs) you know? And then it was funny because right after I had that thought, an environmental engineer booked a session with me and was like, I'm so Ah! grateful for the work that you do on the spiritual level. And I was just like, whoa, that's the universe talking. Oh my God, because that's the exact advice I was going to, that's the exact thing I was going to say to you is like, no, but you're doing this thing because of that. And I didn't even have to do that because the universe. I love that. So I feel like that's kind of some of the themes that are coming up this year with that Chiron square and this like weird, you know, like Mars and Pisces to me feels like a very like searching for meaning, Yeah, you know, in the void and getting depressed and you can't, you don't have a solid answer you know and gemini i think even though it wants facts and stuff it also changes the facts like exactly really really fast you know it's like the earth is flat now it's round (laughs) like that feels but you just said it's flat no i didn't (laughs) the trickster trickster. i so no i i I like that in relation to a t-square with mars and pisces and being mutable yeah everything that you basically just brought up makes a lot of sense in in the soul searching that could come with this full moon um once we are confronted with our you know our beliefs within it all. And, and if, if something even comes out, because at that time, you know, usually something is exposed at the full moon and we might get some more facts about some of the things that we're talking about. We already kind of went down there with the Chiron. And we got to keep in mind too, when all the Chiron actions going on, you know, it's looking to Mars and Pisces. So right. there's, there's always this Pisces filter that's behind the whole thing. And so, wow. yeah, so that could absolutely be part of this full moon in big, big ways. You know, who are we? As, as a culture, because I mean, that's very big with Sagittarius, is that it is very culturally related. And that's why we believe what we believe because of the influence of everything around us. Um, but then pairing it with the directive of Mars, well, if I'm to move forward, uh, what, do I, what, what do I need to let go, number one? Because this is our, you know, whenever Mars is in Pisces as a transit, we have this we basically have this past to let go of a lot of things um, in life and especially emotionally so too, because keep in mind, Mercury's in cancer at this point too. So we might be moving through a lot of, uh, you know, stagnant emotions around everything we've encountered because it has been traumatic. It's been traumatic. We've been traumatic in many ways. (laughs) And, you know, Gemini can keep it superficial as we go through it and give us the objective standpoint, but there's still a lot of uh, emotion that lies beneath the surface. And that's probably going to be activated with that square. But I think if we were to sum it up, soul searching or, or, (sighs) 
I'd like to say that we come to it, but I don't think we do with that T square. I think it just activates what, you know, we need to then work on past that point. Um, because not, you know, so here, so basically what happens is we get the Sagittarius eclipse, a lunar eclipse while the sun is and Mars is squaring. And then we get this kind of, you know, like a five day respite where we get to kind of chill on that until June 11th, uh, when now the sun squares Neptune. So, so now we're that rational Gemini sun, which isn't so rational because it's looking to Mercury and cancer that's about to slow down a retrograde, now gets this spiritual hit of, oh, yeah. Well, which I think is good for the Venus retrograde and, and all her action with Neptune. I think if, we, if you had anything unclear about the Neptune action with Venus, the sun square on June 11th, the same day that Venus retrogrades sextiles Chiron, I feel like something's going to be revealed around that whole journey, um, at least with Venus and what she's doing and the sun being like, no, look, this is, this is what all that Neptune business was about. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, and then we have a last quarter moon in Pisces, like the following day. So a lot of Pisces, a lot of Gemini Pisces. That's your eight of cups. That's my eight of cups. Yeah. I was just telling her before we got on this, this call that my, my Patreon forecast this week, we had the eight of cups come up, um, eight of cups and the seven of wands, but the eight of cups, you know, that's all about walking away emotionally from something that's not working any longer or, or what was deemed, a abandoned success. Right. Um, because you know, it's just, you can't really emotionally fight it anymore. And maybe that's part of the sun square Mars and Pisces. You can't fight it anymore. And then by the time it gets to Neptune, it's like the fight is dead, you yeah. know, because, because basically what, this is what happens. And we can, we can like sum all this up basically to get to the end of Gemini season. So you can't fight it anymore with the sun squaring Mars and Pisces. Then the sun squares Neptune to kind of release that while Venus retrogrades and con contacts Chiron to like understand some of the Mercury business we just talked about. Last quarter, moon in Pisces pushes us, um, you know, into a completion stage around Pisces issues too, uh, with the next day following Mars making a conjunction to Neptune. So basically from the lunar eclipse all the way uh, to mid-June, because then Mercury is going to station on June 17th, we get, there's just so much Neptune, Mars, Pisces, letting go, dreamy energy, spiritual energy, karmic energy. You know, it is going to get your, you might need to get your tissues out because if there's going to be a time, it's probably going to be them. <laughs> I'm like, is it already happening? Because I feel that way today already. <laughs> shadow energy coming out. I'm super sensitive to shadow cycles with the planets. So I start feeling that stuff pretty soon, like far out kind of. Yeah, well, we'll we're recording. We have a Pisces moon coming later this week, but um, we're we're obviously a month ahead in time. But so, just FYI, basically, there is a lot up in the air. There's a lot to move through spiritually and emotionally for basically June six, basically that June fifth through June seventeenth when Mercury stations. So, you know, be easy on yourself during that time because we're all going to be going through some things where we're trying to figure out 
parts of our life that might be uncertain. We're trying to make decisions uh, and come from a rational place, um, which can be very hard when it is more emotionally tinged or where we're asked to let go or surrender something because that's, you know, Mars, Neptune, basically Neptune is going to dissipate whatever it touches and Mars is already in a weak spot. So trying to move, you know, forward is very difficult uh, in many regards at this time, just because our efforts are spiritualized and, and, and slower and moving through water. But how creative can that, that cycle be? You know, like, yeah, if you work on a create, if you are a creative, we're all creative people, but if you're working on creative projects and you need that, that, uh, you know, imaginative, uh, inspirational juice, save it for the, the first part, the first half of June, because I think that, um, the muse will be speaking, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Um, but then, okay, so the last thing we have to say before we're, we're actually going to draw a couple cards because we're both card slingers and so we're going to get yeah. there. But the last thing I have to say is that uh, we basically close uh, Gemini season out with Mars making a sextile to Pluto and Jupiter. So this is our first, <laughs> other than Uranus transit, this is kind of our first, like, uh, it's, the end of Gemini gives us the grounding, right? Right. Touching the earth. Literally go out and touch the earth at the end of Gemini. Cause you're going to need to. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I think that's a pretty beautiful way to end though. Like I really do feel like this summer is going to be a lot of push and pull emotional kind of feelings in a way that feels like what we were kind of hoping. Like it's that thing we're all wanting things to open up right now. We're starting to see it, but it's not going to be, I think the way that we were hoping, you know, cause I think a lot of people are thinking like, Oh, by summer, this will all be over and things will get back to normal. And I think that that's just not really the reality of what the next, I think the next two years are going to be pretty intense for all of us. So it's like better to just kind of figure out how to emotionally process and heal things, not really going the way that you wanted them to. And then hopefully by that uh, end of the season transit to Pluto and Jupiter, we're just letting, let, we're letting go, right? We're letting that transformation period kind of take place in a way where we're not invested in the previous outcomes. Or fighting it anymore <laughs> either, you know? Right. Like Mars and Pisces, I feel like Mars and Pisces lays down its sword, you know what I mean? <laughs> Yes. Um, and it's so funny too, because we did a podcast um, back in May or late April of 2019, was it? I think it was 2019 and, and we called it uh, the new normal. Right. Remember that? I do. And that was when uh, Uranus was moving into Taurus, which is interesting because obviously we see, you know, and so I feel like maybe now we're, well, and that's the thing is we can't get to the new normal and that's why everything's so up in the air. It's like you want it to be back to normal, but there is no concept of normal in the way we think of it anymore. And that's where a lot of the uncertainty is going to take place. Um, and especially as we all want to connect and get out there during this thing, but nothing's normal anymore. 
And uh, we just don't know where we fit in that socially. Um, and that's part of what we're moving through. And I think maybe by the time we get to the end of Gemini and Mars makes that sextile with Pluto and Jupiter, that we'll get, we'll get some type of grounding, some type of foundation or accept the fact that maybe there isn't one uh, and we got to work with what we got in this moment. But either way, I think after all that Neptune energy um, that proceeded in those days to get to that point, and especially with Mercury stationing Cancer in its own watery realm, um, that June 18th and 19th are going to be God's sense in the sense, in the sense that will maybe have a grip on something, even if it's a loose grip, even if it's like... Very loose, very loose grip. Very loose grip. Um, But on the plus side, when we were just talking about how creative that period is too, uh, if you can get the inspiration and start to... uh, put your energy behind these creations that you're making that you might get some serious form at the end of Gemini season where you can start, you know, putting the tangible expression on these projects uh, to where you can actually hold them, see them, hear them, etc. So yeah, for all the artists out there, like myself, I mean, I'm an artist, so is Annalisa, you know, like we're, we are the people that embody this energy. So utilize it you know that's that's a that's the plus side of the season to me at least totally i agree i think it's just having to like rewire and tune in if you're somebody that is so focused on outside um you know outside work and it's hard too with the financial uh piece of all of this because there's so much unknown around that so I think planning for it to still be unknown is good. So it's like you can plan as if things are still not going to be grounded, you know, through the summer. And your plan is to figure out best case scenario. If things last longer, then maybe you'll set yourself up for success and get to utilize the energy without as much stress. Because Gemini, too, is very anxious. It's a very, like, anxiety-inducing energy. So there's this, like, need to have things figured out and then there's anxiety behind it because it feels like it needs to happen fast. So I feel like the better way to feel that would be to plan for the not knowing and the ungrounding so that you just have something that you're doing and you're okay with not maybe knowing, but you at least have a plan you made that makes you able to be in that weird territory without too much suffering, right? (laughs) I think that is brilliant because right before we get into Gemini season and really when this is going to air for people to listen to, we get the sun and Taurus making those trines to Pluto and Jupiter. So yeah, as we're speaking about this, I think that's a great idea because if you have a plan and you know that there's uncertainty, but you have enough plan in place to allow you to ride with that, because keep in mind, we got Pluto retrograde, we got Venus retrograde, we got Jupiter, we got Saturn, now we got Mercury. You know, this this whole summer, for the most part, you, you, no one's going anywhere. You just, you don't like, you make all the plans that you want, but just know life is not moving until September at least. And then we still have Mars to retrograde around that time too. So, you know, just take a vacation. <laughs> that 
that sounds like, why is that so hard for us to do? Because of money, right? You know, we right. do, we know why that is, but there's just something about all this time that if we release the pressure of what we feel like we need to be doing and life, of course we all need to eat. Um, and hopefully we'll be able to help each other out within that or the government can help, you know, in whatever shape form, but relax. Yeah. <laughs> not easy yeah. for Gemini. <laughs> yeah. It's not, that's the thing that's going to be hard. We're not going to, we're going to feel really serious about everything on top of wanting things to feel light. Right. Yeah. Right. Like this weird dichotomy of the two of like, I just want to have fun and I just want to feel light, but then I feel all moody and melancholy. So even if the fun was there, I'm so sad. I probably don't want to do it. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. That's why. And then, Yeah. I won't talk about the end of the year. I did have a thought though that I'm just going to throw out there just like, cause I had it and I don't want to lose it. And it's throw it here where we were talking about the new normal. And I was just thinking of Saturn's like kind of where Saturn's at and how it's like going to square Uranus and do all this stuff in Aquarius for the next two years. And I was thinking of Saturn. I was I'm thinking like, when is the new normal going to take form? Mm. And I was thinking Saturn and Taurus that would make the most sense. Well, I think we're going to get a solid precursor to the new normal when Saturn in Aquarius squares Uranus in Taurus. But in, it'll take form. Well, it'll after it hits Taurus. Well, it's going to be quite some time until Saturn gets there, and then Uranus will be on to Gemini at that it's point. But take that long. I think that's it. Uranus moves out of Gemini, Saturn moves into Taurus, new normal. Is that it? Well, I think, I think, I think there will be some, <laughs> definitely some serious stabilization of that when that time comes to pass, but just Saturn's connection with Uranus, I think in the square in the early part of 2021 is actually going to be what is going to uh, give us the next leg of the plan and really free us up from all the 2020 that we went through. So, um, yeah, because if if the new normal, anytime to get to the new normal, the Saturn's always going to be the normal, right? Right. But but to get to the new, it's in its domicile in Aquarius. And right. Aquarius wants the new, right? So it's right. almost like the pairing of Saturn and its daytime domicile is really going to give us the juice for that. And Uranus is going to shake up the normal of Taurus just enough, which it already has been doing, to really, you know, because we have to jackhammer the foundation in order to infiltrate the new normal because it's hard to have a a new normal when the other normal is already in place. (laughs) So, um, but that being said, you know, whatever happens during this kind of square and the jackhammering so that Saturn can then basically architect all the ideas of what the future plans are. Then by the time we get to Saturn in Taurus, like you're saying, then all... You know, because when we when you're talking about social planning, you're you're looking at many years in advance. Yeah, you know, we have a twenty year plan. You know, yeah. so yeah, absolutely. I think that the plan itself and the steps that we're going to start to take towards the new normal will really happen with that Saturn Uranus square. Um, but maybe some of the implementations will take uh, really to get to Saturn in Aries. Uh, then to solidify with the Taurus. But yeah, that was my thought. Like we would see it now getting like this, like what you're saying, the jackhammer. But then by the time we're living it, 
Like it's the, gotcha. Yeah, that that's going to be like, we're living the new normal in Saturn Taurus. Cause I'm thinking Saturn and Pisces, right. That doesn't feel like, it feels like we're still figuring a lot of that out. Saturn and Aries feels like new leaders, new structures being put in place based off of the jackhammering in Aquarius. And then Saturn and Taurus, Uranus gets kicked out into Gemini, which that's a whole other thing I don't want to talk about. But um, <laughs> Which is interesting because once Saturn gets to uh, Taurus, which will be in 2028, if you want to mark your calendars, and uh, it'll be actually moving to... Uh, conjoin um chiron who will be in taurus at that point too um what's interesting too as the day that saturn ingresses into taurus venus is in gemini conjunct uranus ah. <laughs> why i was getting the download because you it, heard it here first it was gonna relate somehow <laughs> That's hilarious. That's hilarious. So uh, April 12th, 2028, mark your calendars, new right. normal. Um, but to wrap up our Gemini season here, we're just going to uh, pull a couple cards, right? Just to see what kind of comes up before we end our broadcast. Uh, so do you want to throw out a sure. a tarot first and then I'll do an animal? That sounds good. So a card for Gemini season. For yeah. Let's see. You're like one, two, whatever you feel. Oh, you're not even going to believe what I just pulled. Oh, I can't wait. The lovers. Ah! (laughs) Choices. Venus and Gemini. That's what this card is. It's conjunction. I wanted to talk a little bit about conjunction, but um, we didn't. So maybe that's why I pulled it. Maybe that's why you pulled it up. Yeah, we would get there. But the fourth step of alchemy is conjunction, which is what this card represents in the tarot. Um, So this is card number six, and um, it's Venus and Gemini. And so um, one of the things about Mercury as a Gemini's ruler, Mercury alone um, represents the marriage of the lower and the upper Uh, ethereal body and so we see in hermes that he could travel between worlds hermes and mercury are the same and hermes you know could travel between the upper and the lower realm but that also is reflected in our relationship between our minds and our hearts and when the conjunction between the mind and the heart happen um that's when we're fully operating um within our soul expression and the soul is supposed to be um, running the show. The personality is supposed to be in service to the soul um, from the esoteric perspective. And so Venus and Gemini and the conjunction card is about us uh, with that marriage. We're marrying the mind and the heart, but the heart is running the show. The mind is in service to the heart. And so that's why when you're learning about um, Venus and Gemini and Mercury and Gemini, there's the difference between knowing and experiencing and to read something is to know something, but to live something is to experience something. And the heart knows from experience, the mind knows from knowledge. And that's why the heart should be the one in the driver's seat usually. So pulling this card's great because um, it's the card that defines kind of what we're going through right now with Venus and Gemini and the retrograde. Well, that's the, that's, as you're saying this, my whole mind's lighting up. That's the square. That's the Venus retrograde square to Mars and Pisces conjunct the sun Gemini. It's the mind and the heart meeting to listen to the heart 
because Gemini, you know, it, it, the sun and Venus are looking to Mercury in Cancer. And, you know, water is the heart. Water is when we dare to follow the heart. The lovers is the choice to follow the heart and to follow what it's attracted to um, in that, uh, like you said, in that, that higher realm of things. Um, and even when that's a difficult decision, you know, and that takes raw honesty in order to do that and to make that decision. So, oh my gosh, that, what a, what a fantastic la- la- poll. I can't even <laughs> believe I pulled it. That's amazing. It's the card of Gemini for goodness sakes. But the, I mean, just the symbolism is so rich within just some of the major transits that we went through, um, that it's funny how it just summed it up. When we had so many Gemini words for it, right? We just went through so many words, but all you had to do was be like, the head unites to the heart. And then we were like, oh, well, here I we mean, are. that's it really. Like if you really want to sum it up for sure. But I feel like it's so fun to talk about it in an intricate way as well, because oh, yeah. that's how you learn it, right? Is through the frequencies, the frequencies of the planets like are guiding us there. So we got to talk about the square because that's what gets us there. That's what gets us there. That's what gets us to the lovers. Exactly. Venus and Mars, they finally meet. Oh my God. (laughs) And that's why too in the the lovers and with Venus, like we learn through another person because we have this false sense of separation. But the true conjunction is the conjunction within the self where we learn how to, we're able to mirror back to ourselves within the self. Like that spiritual alchemy, it's that inner, but we learn it through the outer. And that's the lesson of Hermes and Thoth is that for whatever reason, like we have eyes and we're in this reality to have reflection. Like there's something about our consciousness that needs something reflected. And that is the job of Hermes. That's why he rules the word because we have to see the mind reflected. Mm. And that's why we have the written word which is freaking weird. <laughs> that's right. I mean, that's the projection. That's the duality. That's the mirror we keep kind of referring to and the twin in uh, needing to see the other side. I mean, that's the concept of um, the idea of whole. And that, you know, that's what Venus is doing this whole time with her retrograde cycle is trying to become whole again, which is what she does when she conjoins with the sun. Um, and so the only re- way you can ever be whole is to have two disparate sides. You can't have a whole without either side, half, you know, like that's just, it's, it's such a... Yeah. All right. Well, I love that. Okay. Let's see what animal comes up. I've been shuffling the whole time. Hopefully it's not too much in the mic, but, um, yeah, just a little background. All right. Animals. Who do you got for us for Gemini season to go with the lovers? Okay. Oh, I got the koi fish. There is always enough. Isn't that, that's so interesting. There's always enough because we talk so much about like, I'm like, take a vacation, let yourself relax, blah, blah, blah. And then, but what about money? And there's no, there's hardly any earth transits here. Right. And, and the same with the, the lunar eclipse and Sagittarius. Sometimes Sagittarius has issues with uh, not being enough or being too much, you know, what is enough. And uh, so just the idea that 
there is always enough around us. Um, and we talked about this before. I think we even started recording the uh, the five of uh, discs that was coming yeah. up and worry uh, and lack. And if we stay within that, and we're always out for this like fighting for you know. Uh, how are we going to take care of this? How are we going to do this? You know, if we could just switch to the to knowing that there's enough for you, there's enough for me, there's enough for you over there, there's enough for everybody. There's just enough. You know, it's it can chill you out a little bit, right? And koi just by the koi fish are good luck charms. They are totally, right. Yeah, they rule abundance. Yeah, I think it depends on the color. I've heard like different color koi fish represent different. Um, different things, but overall, yeah, they're good luck. They're good luck. Yeah. So, you know, prosperity totem. And it's sometimes that's all in the mind, right? Prosperity. Well, mind can mess up prosperity. And what's interesting, if it's like piecing it apart or it sees what's lacking, um, but Venus, just in general, she has that prosperous mm-hmm. side to her, right? She wants to attract in and, you know, and so just, yeah, you know, everything's enough. You're enough. I'm enough. We have enough. There's enough. So don't, you know, that, that can help relieve anxiety and restlessness and grasping at certain straws. This seems very Mars and Pisces, right? Mars and Pisces. Yeah. So just go with the flow. There's enough. We're, life is abundant. Whoever told you otherwise, you know, is like putting a a conditioning (laughs) in your brain uh, that perpetuates that. So that just might be my own story coming out. But, you know, yeah. So we got the lovers and we got the koi fish. Love it. That reminds me too of an affirmation when I was first starting my dog walking business and I was worried about whether or not I was going to be able to make ends meet when I was starting it. And I was just like, I'm not giving up. I have to do this. This is what I want to do. I just started creating all these money affirmations that I just say to myself every day when I was dog walking. And I just say money flows wherever I go. And I would just say that to myself. And it was like, as soon as I started saying that stuff, I just, I got fully booked. I couldn't take on any more clients. And it was just true. Like I was just, I was good. I didn't have to worry about anything. And it was like pouring out in other parts of my life too. So I feel like this could be a good time to work in like self-worth affirmations, um, which is also good during like Venus retrograde cycles. So just getting in that mindset, even if it's not true, like you could be broker than you've ever been, but just start. That was how I was like, when I started saying those affirmations, I lived in a really shitty apartment. I was I had just lost my job. Like I got laid off because the whole company went under and I decided to start a business from scratch and had no clients, had no previous experience, like just decided that I was going to do this and wasn't going to give up and just started doing these affirmations. And it worked like with hard work, obviously it wasn't like I was just sitting around like that in combination just kind of kept me going. So I feel like this is a better time than ever to find some self-love, self-worth. And the affirmations. Yeah. Well, you know, because that's the thing is like two things. Act as if. Just act as if. And uh, here's a very Gemini thing to say. Fake it till you make it. (laughs) it. My mom said that to me literally today. So (laughs) Perfect. 
Perfect. So we're going to bake it. That's hilarious. All right. Well, we are going on a marathon podcast because honestly, we, we could talk to each other forever, but uh, we'll, uh, we'll wrap it up here. So uh, Annalisa, where can people find you? What do you got going on? What, what, where do you want to leave people with? Yeah. So I, you can find me at themysticparlor.com or at Annalisa.6 on Instagram. And uh, my email is still cosmiclady6 at gmail.com. Um, and yeah, I think that's it. Perfect. Thanks so much for having me again. It was oh, fun of course. to wing it, right? Like Gemini. Yeah, we were winging it today. We uh, just kind of got in there. Um, now, of course, all right. So I always have to say my things. What do I have to say? What do I have to say? I have to say that I'm going to do a blog post as I normally do, which I'll share uh, Annalisa's information and uh, the Mystic Parlor as well. Uh, so you can find that over at energeticprinciples.com. Um, and uh, I always say, you know, if you want to sign up to know what's going on in the stars, I do my Patreon forecast. Comes out every Sunday at midnight Pacific time. Only $5 a month to get four forecasts and to know what's going on in the stars. So you can sign up for that. Uh, you can book a consultation if you would like to. That is open for Zoom calls. Um, and I'm working on some, uh, I'm working on some more learning opportunities. Uh, I've got some ideas and I'm excited to kind of get back in there. Um, after I had, I really had a fun time with my first go with my, uh, astrology basics class. So keep a lookout for that. That's at learningthestars.com. Now, if you like what you heard here today and you think people need to know about Gemini season or Venus retrograde or these Neptune things or the lovers or the coy, you know, spread the good word, share it with a friend, leave a review where you listen to this podcast because it really does help any type of interaction. It helps the whole thing be seen uh, and myself and Annalisa be seen as well too. Um, and really that's about it. So Thank you so much for joining me. It was a pleasure to have you back on the program. And of course, this will not be the last time because we shall meet again. Yes. I love being on your podcast. Thank you for having me. Anytime, anytime. And we love that you are listening to the podcast. So thank you so much for tuning in. And as always, may the stars be with you. Mm-hmm.